Asante came to TurboTax after graduating from culinary school and landing a job in the hottest kitchen in town. My hands are full all day, every day. I love it. Asante, as your TurboTax expert, I'll make your moves count, guaranteeing 100% accurate filing and your maximum refund. Sound good? Yes, expert! Switch to Intuit TurboTax and make your moves count. See guarantee details at TurboTax.com guarantees. Experts only available with TurboTax Live. I didn't want it to, to dictate my decisions. I didn't want it to run my life. I didn't want to go down that spiral. I'm more into the goals that nature has already set out for us. Hey folks, Mark Devine here with the Unbeatable Mind Podcast. Welcome back and thank you so much for joining us again today. Hey, before I get into today's podcast, you know the deal. I've been asked to tell you, or ask you I should say, to go to iTunes to rate this podcast. That's so it can show up when other people search for similar you know, topics and cool things that we talk about. And if you're not on our email list, to go to unbeatablemind.com slash podcast, drop in your email so that we can keep you informed of all sorts of cool things that are going on here at Unbeatable Mind and Seal Fit in Encinitas, California, where we are headquartered. And today's guest, I'm super stoked. I just met Jeremy McGee, just rolled up here a little while ago from San Diego, living now in Cardiff, right down the road from us. And we're here to talk about all things to do with training and life. And you might notice if you're watching the video that Jeremy has a leg propped up because he just had massive surgery on his knee, broken femur in a surf accident. And I imagine the way he surfs is a little bit different than most. Yeah. Jeremy, thank you so much for being here. Thanks for Super having me. Super neat to meet you. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Um, I got to admit, you know, I do a lot of podcasts, and I'm starting to do a lot of podcasts, I should say, even though it's kind of a new thing for me still. But when I uh, went to your website and I watched the little trailer you had there, I was just deeply inspired. I mean, it was super cool. And so not knowing anything about you to the, basically coming away from that saying, I really like this guy. You know what I mean? And I haven't even met, met cool. you yet. It was really cool. That was a really cool feeling. So, you know, why don't we just start a little bit early, like at the beginning? What, what about you? Where's, you know, where did you start? What's your life like in your early years? You know, who is Jeremy McGee? Well, I was born here in San Diego, born and raised, lived here my whole life, and started surfing, playing football when I was 12 years old. That was my life okay. growing up football more than surfing. My focus mm-hmm. was on football. I high school or middle school and high school? Pop Warner, Pop Warner from when I was started from when I was 12 all the way through senior in high school. That was my focus. I wanted to play college football. I wanted to go that route. I was a lot bigger back then. Right. <laughs> it's funny. I was bigger in high school than I am now. Yeah. yeah it was because always, always weightlifting, always right. working out constantly, trying to be bigger. Where'd you go to high school? Went to Mira Mesa High Mira School. Mesa. Okay. Yeah. yeah. That's a big school, huh? It was a really big school, yeah. 4,000 kids. Wow. Bigger than my college. So the, the football program must have been pretty competitive there. Yeah, you know, it's interesting. When I was there, we were always, we always made the playoffs, but never to the big game. You know, always, every year. We're always good, but not great. Mm-hmm. Um, 
but I really applied myself and really, I'm one of those people that has to work really hard at something to be good at it. Mm -hmm. And with football, it was the same thing. I wasn't great, but because I applied myself, I, I was good. Right. Third down specialists Mm -hmm. on, on defense, on outside linebackers, special teams. That was my role. Um, and I loved it. Mm. I love being the crazy guy, painting my face, slamming <laughs> my head in the locker. No kidding. <laughs> the guy that everyone was afraid to, <laughs> right. to go up against and hitting drills. Right. Uh, so I was screaming and being crazy. It's real interesting. I was just talking with my girlfriend about this um, the other day that I kind of feel like my path took an interesting turn in high school because what I was really good at naturally was cross-country running. Interesting. And... I decided to play football because that's what was cool. That was cool, yeah. And that's what and you got all the girls life, and all the cool guys were exactly doing Exactly, wearing the jersey on Friday. <laughs> Cross country running know, was a lonely sport that no one cared about. No one knows <laughs> who the heck you are in cross country. You're out there running by yourself <laughs> and no one cares. Right. But in football, your name's getting announced on right. the on the at the stadium on the game and everybody knows who you are. It's really interesting. And the same thing with with drama as well. Mm-hmm. I was really into drama. Were you? Okay. And I saw there was one guy in the football team that was into drama and everybody made fun of him. Mm-hmm. So I decided not to. And Interesting. I wonder what would happen to my, if my, if you with my life. If you had and gone into drama. If I would have followed my natural talents. Right. Instead of, you know, caring about what people thought. Isn't that interesting? Yeah, really right interesting. I love the path my, my life went on. You right. know, there's a lot of, uh, grew up in an abusive home. Right. And so there's a lot of anger. And so football is that intensity. You needed that outlet. Although you can also see yeah. how the, the kind of the meditative aspect of long distance running would have been a nice outlet for that. As well. 100%. Yeah. I don't think I understood that at that age, right. but looking back now, absolutely. Yeah. Uh-huh. Interesting. So anything besides that path you took and, you know, the, your love for football, anything else uh, like really momentous about those, Formative, you know, high school years that uh, shaped you? Finding surfing. Surfing, okay. That was, and developing a a love for the ocean, Mm -hmm. you know, over time. Now, I mean, what is that like? Most of the people who watch this don't live near the ocean, I think. And um, I do. And and my son and I love to go out and body surf and boogie board. And there's something really, really unique about being in the ocean, isn't there? Mm -hmm. what, What is that like for you? Why was that so profound? Well, I mean, for me, the second you step in the ocean, you're in the wilderness. Right. You're in an environment that you're, not des- you're, you're physically not designed for. Right. So there's always a level of an adventure, right. an adventure with it, every time you step in the ocean right. because of that. Right. And just starting surfing so young, it's, it's just ingrained in me as the ocean is home. Right. And when you when you grow up around something, I can imagine it'd be the same if you grow up around the mountains. Mm-hmm. You know, the the mountains are going to f- always feel like home if that's where you you started and live the majority of your life. But yeah, there's there's something about being in the ocean, and for me, paddling way out in the ocean my, for miles and being alone and feeling this Small. big. Yeah, interesting. No one can hear you. No one knows you're there. Huh. Um, I don't think I've ever done that. I mean, I've spent a lot of time on the water. Of course, in the seals, we're always on the water. Right. And you can feel yeah. pretty small even on a big ship in the middle of the ocean. Absolutely. But paddling out like several miles mm-hmm. and just hanging out, what an incredible 
Yeah. Experience you know, that with the, I'm going to do that. I'm going to kayak. Let's go. Out. I'd love to do that. Yeah, let's do that. There's a cool. series of buoys off of Cardiff. There's a five-mile buoy, an eight-mile buoy, and a 10-mile buoy. And okay. I heard there's a 20-mile buoy, but I've never been out to it. And I like to paddle out to the 10-mile buoy. Place these buoys out there. Were they surfers? They've just been there forever. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. Probably the state of California. Right. Okay. I don't, I don't know. Um, so how do you navigate to a buoy in the middle of the ocean? There's big, there's big, bright. Okay, so they're monstrous. Ball, monstrous. They're navigational buoys for shipping. Then they're not for. I think they're for paddlers in small boats, small craft. Okay. Yeah, okay. Uh-huh. just to know how far out you are and just the gauge. Okay. And it's perfect for a paddler because it gives you a turnaround point. You know where right. you are. Right. So you go out there and you obviously you're doing it for exercise, but also just to get out, adventure, get to you know have an adventure. You see all sorts of wildlife. I mean, Getting close to whales is the number one. Yeah. Yeah. If you ever want to feel scared, get close to a whale. Yeah. <laughs> I've been close to a whale out in Hawaii. It's, um, they're amazing. It, they're amazing. Yeah. And, they're, and then a few years ago, there were a couple uh, humpbacks, not humpbacks, yeah, humpbacks that were out front here, mm-hmm. close enough that we could paddle out. And yeah, and humpbacks are normally really far out. Right. And to have them close in is really special. Right. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Yeah, I'm more afraid of whales than I'm of sharks. <laughs> really? Well, sharks don't care about us. They're always there, you know, right. and they, they, don't, they don't care. So you've never been bothered by a shark if you see a shark swimming around? I've you... surfed my entire life, and I've never seen one. Yeah. Yeah. But a whale worries you because it can breach, right? It doesn't care that you're there, I see. Yeah, I mean, they're very intelligent, very aware beings, but who knows if they're just, like, not paying attention or taking a mouthful of something and one little move and... You're gone. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Your lunch. Yeah. Or that tail, right? Would that's crush exactly. That's what, yeah. Yeah. They're so powerful, especially when you're close to them out in the ocean. Yeah. Have you ever had an encounter with a whale where you felt like there was some connection, like a communication yes. going on? Yes. What was that like? I, w- I was actually surfing. I was on my surfboard, and my surfboard's kind of like a kayak. Yeah. So I can use it as a paddleboard too. It's not very efficient for paddling because this is post injury. So this is post injury now. Yes, this was just. By the way, for for folks who are listening, Jeremy is a is paralyzed from the waist down. A little bit above the waist. Okay, a little bit above the waist. Mm -hmm. Okay, so we'll get to that later. But most people can't see this. Right. Wouldn't necessarily know that unless they read the show notes. Right. And right. I didn't say that. It's a good point that I always forget to share. I forget. <laughs> so less people think you're out there surfing, you know, the way that I would surf, you're actually sitting down on the board. I'm sitting on a board. Yeah. It looks like a kayak. Right. You flip it over and look at the bottom. It's a, it's a, it's a shortboard. It's a surfboard. Got it. Tons okay. of rocker. Run a tri-fin in it. And I can paddle it. It's just a really arduous workout because of the... You mean Tons with, with an actual oar? I have or a, paddle, um, I mean. a double-bladed, double-bladed kayak paddle, kayak. whitewater paddle. Yeah. Okay. Do you ever get on it and, and paddle out like a normal surfer would on no, your stomach? No, you if you look at pictures of it, the seating is shaped into it. I see. Okay. So to lay, lay on it. It doesn't work. It huh? doesn't work, yeah. Okay, so you're paddling out there, you're sitting on your board. Well, I was surfing and I saw these spouts okay. um, way outside. And usually you see spouts and then they're gone. The, right. whale, the whales are moving. Right. And I saw the spouts again. And I saw them again. And I saw them again. And the, I, for the fifth time, I told myself, okay, if they're still in the same spot, I'm going to paddle out to them. So, again, of course, I saw them again, and I paddled out to where I, where I thought they were, and there was 
dead silence, mm. nothing. And I was like, oh my God, they're gone. But mm -hmm. I saw that feeling. Mm -hmm. You know, when you're watching a scary movie, right, the, something, something the killer's going to gonna jump out of the closet. <laughs> you're like, oh, that anticipation, like, oh my God, I'm, I'm about to be really startled. <laughs> right. And uh, so it was just silent out there, sitting, floating. And then, of course, <laughs> well, actually, you know what? It wasn't a spout that came up, but a whale fully breached no, how close? near me. And no, it was, ah, uh, I want to say 20 yards. Holy cow. Really close. That's and it was a juvenile. It was a juvenile humpback. Right. And it breached. Oh, my God. Scared the crap out of me. And then another one. And then another one. There was all the, there the whole family. A couple of juveniles. And just, just and breaching. And you know that the mom fun. is not too far away. I know mom's not too far away. And I was like, where is the mom? <laughs> where is she? Or where are the moms? Right. You know? And, uh, and after a while, I finally see this head, huge head just slowly come up. And she is 25 yards from me, and we get full eye contact. No kidding. And she's just watching me watch the juveniles breach around, and it was, it was really intimate. Yeah. Wow. Beautiful moment. Unreal. All by myself. <laughs> this <laughs> tiny little board. I'm getting tingles just yeah. thinking about what that felt like. And oh. she, of course, was just sizing you up, going, are Size you a threat? Up, you know, seeing if I'm a threat or not, right. I'm sure. Yeah. Yeah. That's amazing. What an amazing experience. It was amazing. <laughs> I think experiences like that can change you forever. I mean, you just realize mm -hmm. the majesty of nature and all the other creatures and, and it helps you feel connected, you know, to everything. Mm -hmm. That's a very spiritual moment. Very spiritual moment. So tell us about what, what happened to the guy who played football and, you know, how did you, what was your accident and how did you get where you are right now? Let's talk about that. In 2001, I was in a motorcycle accident. Okay. Just running errands on my motorcycle. So you weren't racing. You weren't, uh, you know, on a... Normally I was. Okay. Normally I was the show off. You know, I was in my 20s. I'm doing 90 mile per hour wheelies down the highway, oh, wow. show off for girls and doing, doing all that. Yes. Normally, yes. It was, ironically, this time I was not. I was riding with another buddy. He was on his bike just running errands. Mm -hmm. I was three, four blocks from my house. I've totally fallen into that statistic. Mm -hmm. And, you know, lady didn't see me and turned left right in front of me. She, my, my buddy went, he accelerated, took off, and I just stayed back on the throttle. If I would have took off and been doing what I was norm normally did doing and showing off, I probably would have slipped past her. Right. Yeah. But it was interesting because I was very close to dying. I was losing a lot of blood. And there were paramedics at a taco shop across the street. They saw the whole thing happen, were on me in seconds. No kidding. Had me in surgery within 22 minutes, I was told, and totally saved my life. Wow. And that was the first thing when I woke up. That was the first thing the doctor told me was that if they were not there, I, I would not be alive. So, just thankful from the very beginning. Yeah, no kidding. Yeah, <laughs> right? <laughs> so, you woke up to the realization that you weren't going to walk, or you might not walk again, yeah. and you're feeling gratitude that you're even alive. Now, just that's, alive. That's a really interesting And I knew I was paralyzed already because I was awake through everything. I was oh, fully were? aware, fully awake. Like, you, you knew by, by the way they were talking or by your inability to move? Well, at the time, I, I was a lifeguard. 
So I was very familiar yeah. with assessing injuries right, and an emergency right. situation. So I basically applied my knowledge to the situation. And, you know, the first thing I realized, oh, I, I can't move. I've injured my, my spine. Mm-hmm. Knew immediately this is a spinal injury. So. And, and what was going through your mind and emotional state when that realization settled in? Um, you could probably relate with this when you're in an emergency situation. Mm-hmm. There, I've kind of stayed objective, yeah, right. you know, and I just continue to assess my injuries as if I was the first responder to mm-hmm. myself. Mm-hmm. And just basically just going down the list, assessing my injuries. The number two thing I realized was that every breath was was very painful mm-hmm. and I couldn't breathe really well. So I knew I'd, I'd broken some ribs, turned out several ribs, tasted blood in my mouth. So I knew those ribs had probably punctured my lungs. And so there, the, the pulmonary bleeding. And then the fourth thing that I realized was that my hands and my face were getting cold very fast. Mm-hmm. And that's when I realized that there was bleeding either internally or where I could no longer feel. And that's when the, the kind of the realization set in that, this was a serious moment right here. And honestly, I just felt really tired. Mm. And I was laying on the pavement. It was really, really warm. It felt really comfortable. And the desire to go to sleep was very, very strong. Very did strong. Did you fight that? I, 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 at first, that, no. that could have meant, right, slipping off. And that could have meant slipping off. Right. Um, who knows? But I... No, I was, I was letting myself fall asleep, and my thoughts were, I just want my mom and my friends to know that I'm totally fine. Right. I'm at peace. This is okay. And then the paramedics were on me, and then it was business time. I was like, okay, I need to you know, communicate what I've ass- assessed of the situation, and it's business time. It's survival time now. Mm-hmm. I see. Yeah, it was a really interesting moment. That is. So there was an inflection point where you weren't yes. sure. And then when they showed up, you said, okay, then i got to put all my energy into survival now. Exactly. That's fascinating. So then um, a- as you started the recovery and you went beyond life-threatening situation and now you're, let's say, in the hospital recovering, I imagine you had to go through a grieving process around the loss of your mobility and legs. And, and 100%. T- and I still do today. Okay. It's one thing I've, I've realized, you know, it's been 15 years, and I, I still deal with anger, right. the desire to run. I bet. Do you um, dream about that? I all? do. I've never had a dream where I'm in a wheelchair. Interesting. And I have a lot of running dreams where I'm just running through the jungle wearing just my trunks. Right. A lot of football dreams, a lot of snowboarding dreams, a lot of surfing dreams. And they're completely real. I can feel my toes mm-hmm. you know, gripping mm-hmm. my surfboard. I can feel everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I have tons of dreams. And I, that's, I feel like that is going to be a, a lifelong emotion that sure. I'm, I'm just going to face constantly. And right. it's not like it's going to get easier, you know, day to day, just, you know, you know, performing tasks more efficiently, you know, learning the tricks of the trade and things like that make getting from point A to B um, not as difficult. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But the emotional aspect of, of dealing with those things is, is probably yeah. always going to be there. There's no it's technology be, to help with that. No, <laughs> and, it's, and it's not going to get easier, <clears throat> but it's just a matter of, of learning to operate w- with those emotions there. Mm-hmm. You know? Right. Yeah. But yeah, in the beginning, there was definitely a grieving process. Mm-hmm. And I remember I had tons of friends. My, all my friends were always in the hospital. It was, 
Oh, that's it was amazing. Yeah. I was so loved. And if, Find out who your true friends really are quickly, probably, a situation like that. Yeah, it was, it, but it was really cool how many people were always hanging out with me, and it was, re, it was, it was very validating. Mm. But my problem was is I felt like I needed to be strong for them. And so when it came to grieving, I didn't really grieve in front of anybody. Right. I wanted to. Mm-hmm. You know, my biggest desire was just for someone to hold me and cry with me. What about that's your a, mom or your dad? Not really close with my family. Okay. So that's a tough, that was a tough mm-hmm. one. So when everybody was gone, when I was alone in the hospital room, alone at night, dark, that's when I would kind of let it go. Right. And uh, my rule was I would let myself go for 15 minutes before, mm-hmm. I, before I'd call somebody. So I'd face it, I would deal with it for a few minutes, and then go, okay, because I didn't want it to to dictate my decisions. Mm-hmm. I didn't want it to run my life. I didn't want to go down that spiral. Right. Because, you know, one decision one decision in a certain direction begets another. Right. You know, and I I, I was ready to to move forward already. Yeah. And I can imagine <clears throat> As painful and transformative as the accident is, it holds such a profound opportunity for growth. And I imagine, you know, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but there's part of you that thinks that this had to happen or this was, you aren't, you wouldn't be the man you are today, right? And I've heard people who have gone through some traumatic accidents like that because it forces you to face the reality of your true self your essential self, which is beyond your body. How's that for quasi-spiritual? <laughs> no, I 100% agree with you, and I, I've got so many responses. The, the first one, the one that sits so starkly in my mind, is a question. Can we ever really appreciate something unless we lose it? Wow, yeah, interesting. And the, the answer is no. Probably not, right? Not to certain degree we can appreciation is always there and we can always have appreciation for things but when we lose it that's when we that takes the appreciation to another level yeah. yeah so it's interesting to be out in the water on the mountain out adventuring and not that i'm anything special or capable of being more appreciative than anybody else but having lost the use of my legs and how much effort it takes to do those things. Mm-hmm. Just the essence of it, what it is, generates more gratitude for right. being out there. Right. You know? So it's, it's, it's interesting. So you're not going to take the wave for granted or the mountain <laughs> no. or, you know, I mean, you, you have to work so hard just to be in that environment, in mm-hmm. that experience. Yeah. So you, you feel more present and more... Mm-hmm. The gratitude probably brings more presence and more enjoyment. Yeah, and losing something, the closer we get to that point, whatever you want to call it, the, the end of your rope, mm-hmm. rock bottom, mm-hmm. point where you want to give up, the closer we get to that point where everything seems destitute, mm-hmm. the greater the level of gratitude. Right. Yeah. So, yeah, going through those things. Yeah. I, I, I yeah. Can, you know, it's funny... Not funny. It's interesting because I can appreciate what you're saying, I think, fairly well because as a SEAL, I had a lot of people, a lot of friends face that moment 
and either end up in a similar situation as you or, you know, losing their life. And, and to have to face it over and over and say, there by the grace of God go I. I mean, that's one second earlier it would have been me or, you know, I, yeah. decision not to go on that op, you know, and that other person going. I mean, there's just a million variables, but it could be you anytime. And it just makes you appreciate every day, yeah. every moment. Yeah. Could it's be you any, anytime. Anytime. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so you, you met that in a moment when someone just turned in front of you on a motorcycle. Yep. And it changed your life. If you're finding inspiration in the Unbeatable Mind podcast, then I bet you're ready to take the next step toward discovering your why and developing your self-mastery. So I encourage you to check out the Unbeatable Mind Online Academy. The Unbeatable Mind Academy is our intensive online training program with step-by-step techniques and training for developing mental focus and clarity, expanding your awareness, developing authentic leadership, increasing your functional fitness, nutrition, and recovery, and all around developing yourself to a higher stage and maximizing your performance as a human being. You're going to get great training and support from myself and other coaches And you'll be connected to your peers on the same journey in our private Facebook group. So if you're ready to cultivate your warrior spirit and develop your unbeatable mind, find out more at unbeatablemind.com. That's unbeatablemind.com. Hoo-yah. See you in training. What, though, is really fascinating about your life, Jeremy, though, is like you you didn't take it sitting down. You came out, out of it pretty much swinging and wanting to like dive back in and experience life fully. So was that the same fiery guy who used to bang his football helmet against, <laughs> the, against the locker? I mean, where did that part of you come from? I mean, that's yeah. awesome. And still I the same guy. Still the same guy. And that's why I tell people, like, you, you got to be you. You still got to be you. Right. The alternative is to not be happy. Mm-hmm. And but don't a lot of people choose unhappiness and misery when they when a circumstance like this befalls them? The answer is yes. But a, a lot mentality. don't choose. A, a, a lot choose to still be fighters. Engage, yeah. And I think most do. I mean, the human will to survive is a powerful thing. It is. Yeah. It's a very powerful thing that lives in all of us. The entire power of God universe mm-hmm. is within us I mean, resides within us yeah. we're all one we're all the same and yeah. we have complete access to that we are fully expansive mm-hmm. and capable of anything really mm-hmm. um, so understanding that is the first to being able step to being able to tap into it right. and to be able to, to overcome things like this and, mm-hmm. and, and choose survival I mean I feel like survival is a natural instinct that's going to come out it's, right. it's there. It's going right. to come out. For most people, it does. Mm-hmm. For me, it's harder to deny it mm-hmm. than it is to, to follow it. Mm-hmm. And, and, but this mo- goes beyond survival. I mean, it, it's about thriving. Yeah. And so you found ways to thrive. Now, let's tell, uh, tell us about some of the more uh, interesting adventures and the challenges of going after those adventures you know, with the, without the use of your legs. Well, just making my bed in the morning is an adventure. Right. <laughs> I can see that. 
<laughs> I've got it down pretty good. <laughs> well, getting, around, getting around with my, my leg in a cast. Well, that's right the, now, the universe is it? saying, hey, you know, you got that down, so now we're going to throw another twist in here this and whole break week, your leg. Jeez. This week is one of those weeks where it's been interesting <laughs> dealing with a leg that's casted. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Just getting it out of my car and just getting around in my bathroom <laughs> is, is a thing right now. But, you know, the, the biggest adventure and the most popular one right now is... It has to do with the DVD yeah. that's in your lap, uh, climbing that mountain. The DVD is called Drop In. And if you go to jeremymcgee.com, is yep. that you? Mm-hmm. How do we spell McGee? M-G-H-E-E? M-C-G-H-E-E. Yeah, we say jeremymcgee.com, and you can uh, see a trailer. That's what I was referencing earlier. It's super cool. And so Drop In is about you skiing what's called the bloody... Couloir. Couloir. You did did I get it right? Nice. <laughs> now you're ready, to, you're ready to go to Paris and speak French now. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, no. Um, so well, tell us about the bloody couloir. It's not really about skiing it. That's a very small part. Okay. It's not a ski movie. It's a movie about life okay. and about overcoming obstacles, obviously, and having a dream. So it's a feature-length, it's like a docudrama? Yep, it's a feature-length documentary. Mm-hmm. Excellent. Yeah. And it's more about life... And, you know, as the project evolved, it became more about life than mm-hmm. about the actual endeavor. Right. It was really interesting how Endeavor it just gave you a focal point and some scenery, something to exactly. go toward. Exactly. That know. was just the goal. The and goal. whether we made it there or not it was inconsequential. It was the journey along the way. So this is yeah. a ski, a backcountry ski route. Yes. Okay. And I up basically climbed up the mountain myself doing, doing pull-ups up the mountain. No kidding. And then turned around and skied it, yeah. Okay, so <laughs> paint me a mental picture of how that worked. <laughs> um, basically, we've it, and it took us months to figure out how we were going to do this because nothing like this like had been done before. Detailed route planning must have been. Intense. There were a couple of choices of routes, but not too detailed in that way. It's more detailed in trying to figure out the apparatus, the, right. actually physically how. How to um, we were going to do up. this, yeah, in the most efficient way possible. I see. And what we came up with, I was just going to lay on my st- stomach, uh, prone, right. uh, on a plastic kid's sled. Okay. And then we attached a handlebar to a Jumar ascender, and I just cranked pull-ups on the Jumar up a up static rope. Oh, no kidding. <laughs> yeah. So someone would set the rope, Yep. and then you'd crank your way up it, and yep. then they'd reset it. Yep, and each rope length was... How uh, big was your team for this? Fifteen people went up there with okay. us. Okay. Yeah. And, you know, and we didn't need everybody. You know, it was, it was more of just kind of a, a fun group. Sure. Yeah. And how long did the ascent take you? About six and a half hours climbing, <laughs> yeah. How many pull-ups did that equate to? I don't, I don't know. <laughs> you can probably figure it out, right? <laughs> uh, yeah. I, I don't know. A lot. A few thousand. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. It was awesome. It was really difficult. Yeah, I bet it was. So at what point really, really did you hard. want to quit that? Plenty of times. And okay. there was, I actually did come to a point during the climb where I did quit. Oh, no kidding. I gave up. Man, I have this old nerve injury in my left arm from playing football for so, so much. Mm-hmm. And uh, that was coming into play. And I was totally dehydrated. I'd run, run out of water. And my left arm, whenever I tried to use it, would cramp up. And it was, it was very, very painful. So basically my left arm wasn't working. Mm-hmm. And I had to kind of finish using just my right arm. And I, 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 there was a point where I did give up. Mm. And, but there, we had a separate crew that had hiked up the ridgeline, a separate route 
they were carrying my ski gear, my sit ski, food, supplies. <coughs> and they had reached the top pretty much right about this point where I was giving up. Mm-hmm. It's crazy. The timing's crazy. And they were hootering and hollering down the couloir from the peak. And we were close enough where we could hear them. And that, that gave me what I needed to, to reach past to physical it. possibility. Right. Well, what my mind was telling me was physical possibility. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you've tapped into a whole other source of energy. Whole other source of energy. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And that propelled you up. What, how many hours did it take you after that point still? I don't remember. It was, it was still a couple hours. Still a couple hours. Longer. Okay. Hour so you so. get, you, you crawl yourself up to the top of this ridge line. Mm-hmm. And then you have to transfer into your ski, which is a, I imagine was a seated platform yep. on top mm-hmm. of a ski. You've seen a sit skier before? Yeah, I have. Yeah. I've seen guys go Same down thing. on a mountain yep. with those. Mm-hmm. And you've got like two little platforms, right, to balance yourself? Yeah, I have poles with little skis on the end. I got it. Mm-hmm. And they're not so much for balance, more for kind of a guide. Yeah. yeah. So I'm definitely familiar with the term dropping in, and I've done that many yeah. times, you know, but for folks who haven't or aren't skiers, dropping in is when you're on like a cornice, <laughs> and you literally have to fall into the ski bowl. And uh, so can you, I can imagine you're sitting at the edge of this cornice and you can't really see over the edge because nope. you're not like standing on a pair of skis. You're sitting back. Mm-hmm. You don't know what's on the other side of that cornice. No, you can't see. It's so steep you can't see down the couloir. And yeah. uh, just give us an idea of like how, what's the, the angle, the vertical drop? What's this, what are the stats for the couloir? 50 degree average pitch, 50 degree which pitch. in the ski world is, you know, the steepest stuff you'll see. Sure. Ski resort, right? Um, pretty much straight, straight down. Quadruple black diamond. Yeah, something like that. <laughs> <laughs> but with uh, you know rock formations and rock walls and God. you know variable conditions in the backcountry. Was anyone else on your expedition going to ski down with you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I yeah imagine yeah. Had... they'd have to, right? Just mm-hmm. in case you had an issue. Mm-hmm. Okay, so. <laughs> <laughs> what was it like to push off and drop in? I can like the, oh. your stomach must have been in your freaking throat. It was all I could do to not let everybody know how nauseous I was. Oh, I bet. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's like my first parachute jump. That night. I'm like, going, okay, oh yeah, I bet a lot. Just like go. That. You know, there's you only just go. Just That's go. all you can do, and let your instincts take over. Right. But you know, let your your kinesthetic knowledge right. of, and awareness take over. Yeah, and. Uh, so, yeah, not only was this thing haunting me in my dreams, I'd never skied anything like it before. My first time in the backcountry, not only was I scared oh, so out of my So you weren't, mind, like, accustomed to skiing these backcountry no, drop-in type situations? No, 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 never. But, yeah, if I were to take a fall, the fact that I'm strapped to a big metal thing and how just, steep it was... become an avalanche. And go forever. <laughs> right. So we decided, decided I was going to ski at Ambalay on a, on a safety rope. Oh, that makes sense. Because a successful backcountry mission is one that everybody comes home from. Right. Yeah. The trouble with that, you know, that first... Get tangled up, right? Or how could that... Well, no, but um, you know that first turn? Yeah. Is the hardest turn. Right. Because of what you said. You basically have to uh, project into the fall line. You basically have to throw yourself downhill. Right. And you Um, have to know your line before you land. Exactly. Interesting. And so I had to do that scary turn every turn. I had to turn and stop. And so I didn't have my momentum from the previous turn taking me into the next one because, you know, they could only 
dish out so much rope at a time. Oh, yeah. I see. Interesting. So it was it, tough. It, it broke <laughs> up your rhythm. Yeah. And then not only that, but my friend always describes it with this analogy that this endeavor for me was like, you know, running a marathon and then going surfing Mavericks on a big day right after. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Yeah, I could see that. You're exhausted. Uh, you've just pulled your, you've just done 5,000 pull-ups and now you're so going to... And my body was done already. Right, so yeah. it's probably not responding quite the way you wanted to. Definitely Because not. your arms are your primary method of steerage, right? Core. Uh, core, yeah, I'm, your core. You know, if I'm skiing correctly, I'm skiing with my core. Right, yeah. okay. Fascinating. So I imagine you wiped out a few times. Yes. And luckily I had that rope. <laughs> right. <laughs> yep. Otherwise you would have just gone straight to the bottom. Right? Absolutely. Yeah, there are definitely several crashes. Okay, but you didn't get injured. Nope. That's fine. Fascinating. Yeah, skiing in the backcountry with my friends. <laughs> so when you ask about uh, any endeavors, that's kind of the, the well, biggest big one, one right? lately. Yeah. What do you have uh, what, uh, after that? That was a couple years ago, right? Yep. Um, what else is on your horizon or any other big doozies like that? Or? I'm glad you asked that. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, this surfboard is a brand new design. And we're taking adaptive surfing to a whole other level. Oh, cool. So just surfing and seeing what's possible is this crazy new adventure right now. Okay. I'm able to do things I never thought possible. Because of this new design? Yes. Did you help design the surfboard? Yes. Okay, great. Yeah. So that's really exciting. That is exciting. And everything's kind of on hold right now because of my leg. Right. So yeah, I have a few adventures. What kind of that. waves can you surf with this board? Like what height? And I mean, I, I feel like I could surf anything. As, as, it's just in my mind. It's just really? As long as I can like get a over big, my Could fear. you go out to Hawaii and surf the big waves with it, do you think? I, I feel like if I work hard... I can work up to some powerful surf. Okay. Yeah. Very comfortable. Something that you could get towed. Can you get towed into stuff? With, with We're working point? on designing that so okay. I can tow into some stuff. Interesting. Yeah. It'll be interesting. There, it definitely and is. There, is there a company around this that you're partnering with, or do you have a company? We're starting to work with Cobian on going on some surf adventures mm-hmm. and figuring out the, the gear, mm-hmm. figuring out the boards and how to make them better. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And like I said, everything's on hold right now, though, because of the, because sure, of the leg. Yeah, yeah well, that, that'll heal up. Yeah. And the ultimate goal is, yeah, to get, to get into some large turquoise barrels. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Is there any, uh, are there any tournaments for uh, disabled athletes or disabled There are. There, the there, is, there is competitive adaptive surfing, but I'm just not a competitive guy in mm-hmm. that way. Yeah. I'd rather be off doing my own thing right going on adventures and so i don't i'm more into the goals that nature has already set out for us right, right. rather than creating you know man-made goals and yeah, yeah. that's kind of my remember style. the guy's name but i just watched a short documentary on a guy who likes to surf in the coldest places on the planet oh man Do you know who i'm talking about no uh, it's you know, crazy i gotta i gotta like have like a Google assistant when I can't remember something like that, you know, like Siri, what's his name? Like in the back of my head, it was fascinating, but I was, I could, I was just thinking that that would be cool. Like to partner with someone like that and say, Hey, let's go to, go to Alaska or, you know, Antarctica and and surf some wicked, inaccessible, cool place. Like I'm in, right. I want to go. Yes. That's the beauty of my life is I get to 
basically choose it's choose your own adventure. Choose the adventure. I get to choose my own adventure and bring it to sponsors and make it happen and right. share it with people and inspire people with it. It's just a it's a beautiful life and I'm so thankful right. for. And so yeah, that sounds like a great Doesn't adventure. That sound cool? yeah. I'm in. I have to research that. Yeah. And what about any water training like uh, you know along the lines of what Laird Hamilton does? You know, do you do like do any underwater kettlebell training or <laughs> training, you know, for when you um, get trapped uh, underneath a wave? I do. You know, I don't really surf big surf. Yeah. That big a surf where yeah, uh, breath hold training is necessary. Down. Okay. I do some, though. You know, I, I get in the pool a couple times a week, mm-hmm. and I make sure to do some breath hold training mm-hmm. just in case. You know, you sure. never know. But... <laughs> yeah, that, that guy's another level. Isn't he? <laughs> He's a whole other level. I, know. <laughs> I haven't met Laird yet, but I want to do a podcast with him. And I love that the way he trains is pretty yeah. intense as well. I mean, the, the reality when I, um, you know, I've never been held down longer than a few seconds, anyways. You okay. know, rarely are we. So, so you, you're, before we started, you were describing the injury when you broke your leg and. Let's talk me through that because that's that's pretty interesting. Most people would, yeah. most people would get the pucker factor of thinking about being strapped to a board and yeah. going down in a wave. It's totally my fault. Okay. It's uh, laziness that that gave me this injury. You got complacent. I got complacent because I knew my feet would get stuck once in a while, and I knew why. Mm-hmm. You know, I basically had to readjust my straps, um, my foot straps on my board, and for some reason, I don't know what my problem is. I just didn't do it. Hmm. And here Here's we a reminder are. For you. <laughs> here we are. Bonehead non-decision. So you said that, okay, so you're strapped in, but you've got a quick release yes. around your waist. Mm-hmm. Okay. So you're sitting on the board. You go, every, every time you surf, you wipe out. I mean, that's basically what surfing is, yep. right? You, you stand happen. up, mm-hmm. or you get on, you ride the wave, and then the wipeout happens. Or you ride the wave until, you know, it's natural conclusion mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. probably 50 50 hopefully before that so i'm not washing up on the sand right, exactly. breaking, breaking my fins and, right that too yeah. yeah and so in the in the likely event that you're wiping out you have to pull you pull this quick release mm-hmm. and then you kind of naturally slide off the board yep and i kind of push it away from me okay and you I, push it away and in this case your foot got stuck foot was stuck okay because it was a big it was a pretty big day and it was all i could do i couldn't i mean i couldn't even reach my arm to the belt against the power of the water. Oh, no kidding. And I eventually got to it, and it was all I could do to just pull the belt. Mm-hmm. And there was no being able to push my way from, away from the board or even knowing the difference between And this and is down. all happening while you're tumbling. Yeah. Uh, I don't even know up from down right. anything. I'm just getting thrashed. Mm-hmm. And uh, I come up, and my foot is stuck on my board and twisted and... And the board's continuing to tumble, and so you're. No, this is after the wave is, has oh, ended. It's already ended, and I'm I'm floating in the water, recovering, and I notice that my leg is twisted, and I had to kind of go back underwater and hold my breath and untwist my leg to get it out. Mm. It was that wedged in there, and the, you know, and I can't feel, so I didn't know. And you have no feeling, in your no head. feeling, so I didn't know anything had happened, and I I surfed for another hour and a half. <laughs> 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 I, I wasn't know. expecting to hear that. There's no, there's no pain receptors. There's nothing. There's nothing. Wow. And I even uh, went out to eat afterwards. And then finally, when I got home, I'm getting out of the Something car. Doesn't look right. I'm like, oh wait a second, my leg is a balloon. <laughs> uh oh, something's wrong here. Right. I'm like, okay, uh, 
And so uh, I was thinking, oh, you know, we'll see how it goes. You know how you're probably the same way. Of course, yeah. I yeah, don't I'm need to go, go to the, the doctor, doctor right away. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, I'm fine. It'll go it'll, away. It'll, it'll be fine. Um, and I woke up in the middle of the night nauseous, and okay. my girlfriend was like, so okay, your we're, body, I'm, you're going to the emergency room right now. I was like, okay, right. I'll go. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome yeah and then the other thing that's really cool that's happening right now is i just got this amazing new mountain bike oh no kidding she's beautiful (laughs) (laughs) she does she have a name um well she actually i just named i don't name my stuff isn't that funny thing i think it's the thing that girls do like they name their cars and stuff like that and i've never named anything my girlfriend. I named like, my you... first car, by the way. Did you? Yeah, Brutus. Brutus. Yeah. What kind of car was it? It was a 69 Mercury Monterey. That's a perfect name for that car. <laughs> anyway, awesome. back to your bike. That's, yeah, back to my bike. <laughs> um, I, I mean, it's kind of a masculine name, but I, I always say she, um, but Axel is the uh, bike's Axel name. Axel could be a she. Axel. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. But it's this crazy machine. It can go anywhere, and it just arrived from Poland two days ago. It's been this whole. So of course, you you pedal this with your hands. Right? Yeah, and mm-hmm. uh, draw draw me a mental picture of a mountain bike. What does it look like for you? Okay, it's got two front wheels, one rear wheel. Okay, the rear wheel is the drive wheel. Okay, um, full suspension, full A arm suspension. Imagine like a front of an ATV. Oh, cool! It's crazy, but really. How, how wide are the? What's the width between the front wheels? It's like thirty-six inches. Okay, so, so you three get feet wide. Down most trails. Or yeah, it's trails. it's crazy how what it can get down with that amount of suspension. Mm-hmm. And the way I sit on it is really interesting. I'm kind of on my knees. Okay. And I'm in a forward position, kind of kneeling. Huh. Yeah, <laughs> I'll have to show you photos. Yeah, right. I, <laughs> There's I'm, photos on my website. Okay. Is that uncomfortable for you to be on your knees? And- no, it's very comfortable. Okay. Yeah. I really like being in that position because I'm forward. It I gives can, you a whole new perspective, I bet. Oh, yeah. I can project into the fall line right. when, mm-hmm. I'm, when I'm downhilling and really um, unweight and use my arms as suspension uh-huh. rather than in a recumbent position where I'm just kind of sitting, letting the sus- suspension take yeah, everything. I think it'd be a little scary to mountain bike in a recumbent position. I mean, you don't have much control over where you're going at all. I, I like that you said that because most people think the opposite. Yeah, I would. Most people think like, oh, I want to be away from gravity. But no, you want to be in You want to project it. into gravity. Right. Yeah, exactly. and you have way more control, and I can lean way more. So I like being in that body position. Did you help design this bike? Or? I helped with some modifications that have been made to it, but no, I, didn't, uh-huh. I wasn't involved in the design process. Okay. It's something that's made that people can get. Okay, so it's on the market. Yeah, and it's been this whole two-year ordeal trying to get one. No um, okay. Trying to raise the money for it, and because they're not cheap. I mean, it's more, it costs more than my car. No kidding. Yeah, okay. and just got her. You know, that's interesting <laughs> you say that. Like, we um, a lot of folks who are watching this know that um, my uh, administrative and finance officer, his name is John Atwater. He's uh, quadriplegic. Oh no, 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 no. He's. I'm sorry. He's paralyzed from the neck down, but he has the use of his hands. Uh, mo- not complete. But right. Yeah. He's quadriplegic. Okay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And one of the big challenges is the financial aspect. You know, just buying, you know, I remember him going through the rigmarole of like what insurance would cover and not cover for a wheelchair. And it's crazy. believe it or not, they don't cover the good ones because they're expensive. It's crazy. And so, yeah. And, and also, you need a new vehicle if you're going to drive, and that costs another $100,000. And so, all of a sudden, yeah. you have all these other issues. So, I imagine if you want to go out and play or adventure, 
You need sponsors, or you need to figure out yep. how to do that. And it's been everything comes together: sponsors, friends, my own efforts. You know, organi- charity organizations. It all kind of yeah. comes together to to make something like this happen for me to get a bike like this. Okay. Yeah. And so that's the other, the other adventures that are happening. Is I get this that's cool. bike, but um, I'm leaving her in the crate right now. Because of your knee. Because <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> I know if I, I get her together and assemble her, I'm going to want to ride her, and it's going to be even tougher. Right. So I'm just leaving her in the crate for right now. Axel, you just got to stay in there. You know? Yeah. <laughs> Don't get too We're going to get together, <laughs> but... <laughs> Not just yet. I'm just going to sleep for now. <laughs> that's fascinating. So that's pretty exciting. So I can't imagine my life right now. I'm going to be 100% someday, yeah. you know, and... Uh, being 100% with this board and this bike and opportunities that are in front of me, it's, yeah. it's going to be, it's really exciting. Yeah. Yeah. Do you have a vision that you'll be able to walk again with the way technology is going? Like even if it's an exoskeleton or nanobots or something like that? Um, well, I have walked in one of those exoskeletons, have you? those robotic exoskeletons. Right. It's cool because I'm standing right. and watching my legs move. Mm-hmm. That's really cool. But Walking really slowly around a hospital <laughs> is not, <laughs> not your idea That's of adventure. Right? I'd rather be out bombing mountains on my mountain bike. You right, know, like that sounds like a lot more fun. I don't really think about walking again in that respect. I live such a, a fun, cool life. Yeah, not a loss anymore. It is because I still do face that emotion. Right. But it's not like I'm paying attention to the research. Or anything like that. Yeah. Uh, my take is, you know, if we do figure things out and it's a hundred percent sure or close to it, then yeah, I'll, I'll switch my focus. I see. Right. But as for now, I'm living such a fun life. Right. I don't really put much energy into it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But there is a lot of cool stuff out there right now, especially with the yeah. robotic stuff. Is really yeah, cool. It's a lot of interesting. And, but now the robotics are becoming internal. That's right. And they're putting like robotic spines in, inside yeah. people. And it's just, it's, the research is amazing. Yeah. Yeah. You could become a cyborg. I kind of already am. I have a lot of metal in my body. <laughs> I used to be my nickname in the SEALs. <laughs> you too? I don't think I got metal though. I, have I so haven't much. checked actually. But. I even have a lot more after last week. <laughs> <laughs> so, do you um, support any charitable organizations, or do you have anything that's important? Yeah, you, to you know, really cool organization, local organization is the Challenge Athletes Foundation. Right. Oh yeah. Cool. I've never come in contact with another organization that gives more money directly to people than okay. that than that organization. So, do you help raise money f- uh, for them through your um, efforts? And- I've been able to, you know, raise a little bit for them mm-hmm. with with. With some things, you know, not a lot, but I just, I just support them. Mm-hmm. They're, they're have a great cause. They, they help talking about equipment being expensive. Mm-hmm. They help people like me get bikes okay. and adaptive equipment and things like that. I'm yeah. kind of interested in this, but I'm launching a foundation called the Courage Foundation, and it's, um, you know, it'll, I'm doing it because I, there's so many people that that email me or who are like somehow tangentially aware of what we're doing with Unbeatable Mind and Seal Fit and our resiliency and mental toughness training and want to um, access it, but they either can't afford it or they need a special application for it because they're disadvantaged or adaptive right. athlete or, you know, in prison. Seriously, <laughs> there's all sorts of different applications that, right. yeah. that I've stumbled yeah. across. That, yeah, I'd love to be able to, to help this population with their mental strength. 
right? Because that's really my thing. It's like learning how to think clearly and mm-hmm. focus and using skills from um, the SEALs to really create more confidence and power in their lives. And, and so we're just launching this foundation. We, have the, um, we filed documents, and um, we're going to be up and running by the end of the year. Awesome. And um, one of my first projects is to distribute Unbeatable Mind books to the prison libraries. This Great. just happened through my association with a, a prison warden group called the Prison Fellowship. And then looking at you know, uh, dis, uh, veterans who are disabled, both with PTSD or you know, through a physical limitation. And the adaptive athletes, you know, it hadn't occurred to me, but that would be a really interesting partnership as well. And so Whatever you need, I'm in. I want to talk to you. Yeah, yeah. I, I'd like to follow up and just think through that, how I could help that community, you know what I mean? 100%. Through the Courage Foundation. Yeah. So, so we've got some follow-up, you know, on that. Yes, sir, and we're going to go paddling. And we're going to go paddling. Yeah. I can't wait. Once I'm ready. Yeah, okay. <laughs> All right, well, this has been fascinating, super cool. We're going to wrap this up, though, so people can find about you and your projects and what you're up to at your website. Is that the main place, or do you have a social media channel or anything like that? Is it- yeah, you know, kind of the website's home base. Home base. That yeah. has the links to all the social media on there and to the drop-in film project. Right. Okay. Everything can be found there. So Jeremy McGee, M-C-G-H-E-E. Correct. Dot com. Jeremy That's McGee it. Dot com. Check out drop-in. Can, can you buy a copy of the DVD or how does how yeah, do people you know, actually we, watch the movie? We do it by donation. Okay. Because... I don't want someone to not get a DVD because they don't have $10 or whatever. So we do it by donation. So anyone can go online and make a donation of any size. They can donate a dollar. They can donate a million dollars. (laughs) Just just saying. (laughs) And we'll we'll send them a a DVD. And that's, that's how it works. Okay. Yeah. Good. So, hey, go to JeremyMcGee.com and donate a million dollars. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> at least at least ten dollars okay because it probably costs three or four dollars to make this thing mm-hmm. and a lot of energy went into producing this have you recouped your expenses from it um we've we've broke even you broke even okay yeah and, and that, i mean but we're not in this to make money of course not it's to yeah. inspire and motivate yeah and hopefully this is the first of many that's the goal with the drop-in film project okay yeah awesome so you'll be your next film project will be around Axel and mountain biking. It's either going to be around Axel or around or surfing. surfing. Yeah. Or both. That's funny. We've been talking about that. Yeah, it's funny that you mentioned that. <laughs> <laughs> well, let me know how I can be involved. In, Absolutely. In That'd be awesome. And, and thank you very much for coming over today. Thanks for having Super me. Super cool to meet you. You too. Yeah. So we'll follow up on some things. Sounds good. Go see if we can meet some whales. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, folks, Jeremy McGee, um, go to his website, check out his, uh, his docudrama, and uh, let's figure out how we can support his efforts and other adaptive athletes. Stay focused on your own training. Do the work every day. That's where the rubber meets the road. Maintain an attitude of gratitude and stay present. Till next time. Hoo-yah. Divine out. Back, the pride of the fleets, the bright swinging frogmen of the UTT.